Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this beautiful Tuesday's Broward County Commission. I am your host, Broward County Mayor Marty Kerr, and we are excited to do the people's business today. Uh, with that said, we are going to start with the Pledge of Allegiance, and I would love our two good news recipients today, uh, Navelia Balance and Tracy Oliveira, to please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's customary before the beginning of each county commission meeting for us to observe a moment of silence to honor people from our community who have recently passed away. Colleagues, do you have anyone you'd like to remember during this moment of silence? Yes. Commissioner Ryan. On December 20th, we lost local resident and civil rights leader, Dr. Robert Haling. Born in Tallahassee in 1929, Haling graduated from Florida A&M University, went on to earn the rank of first lieutenant in the United States Air Force and earn a dental degree. He opened his dental practice in St. Augustine in 1960. His office was the only medical office in the city without segregated waiting rooms. He went on to call out racial injustice wherever he saw it, including St. Augustine's 400th anniversary celebration, which was planned as an all-white affair. For his efforts, he was nearly beaten to death at a KKK rally in 1963, and his house was shot in 1964, nearly missing his pregnant wife and killing his dog. His dental practice also suffered, prompting him to move to Cocoa Beach in 1965. Having moved to Broward County in the 1970s, where he continued to practice dentistry. In 2014, the 50th anniversary of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, his old dental office in St. Augustine was dedicated as a civil rights museum. Dr. Haling was 86 years old. He will be honored Thursday with a memorial service at the state capitol in his hometown of Tallahassee. Our condolences go out to Dr. Haling's family and friends. And I remember when we honored him in the legislature. Thank you for bringing him up. Also, with that said, we don't have a meeting next week, so I think it's important that we, we remember the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and his message of peace and love. And we also need to keep in our thoughts and prayers the, all the, the women and men who are serving us overseas and at home. Uh, with that said, let's have a moment of silence. As you know, this year, uh, as the mayor, I designated this year as the year of good news. And at each commission meeting, we bring good news to the public by highlighting the successes of our county, the economic engines of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans, and other positive happenings. This week, Broward County Commissioner Lois Wexler will be providing some good news uh, to Broward County today, and I think that her selections are excellent. Thank you, Commissioner Wexler. Thank you, Mayor. Um, may I ask that Nevoel Balance come forward? And I would also ask that Tracy Oliveira take a seat up here as well. Thank you. No, you come here. <laughs> you come on here. You've already been on a stage, so I'm, I, I, you shouldn't be nervous at all. Um, I had the honor, along with some of your aides back in December, to go to a spectacular event at the convention center. Yes. It was an honor for me to be there and along with Ms. Grossman present the Sensational Service Awards. 
and there were 12 recipients that were nominated by their peers or by people that in, in, in our community or outside of our community who felt that these individuals went up and beyond. I was so impressed by these two recipients that we're going to learn something about today. And this is the good news that I want to share with everybody. Whereas the mayor has designated this year as the year of good news at each commission meeting, the commission will bring good news to the public by highlighting the success of our county, the economic engine of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans and other positive happenings. Nevoel Balance has been a taxi driver for Yellow Cab Company for 11 years and prides himself on going above and beyond the call of duty for all of his passengers. A couple were visiting from up north when the husband suffered a heart attack. Nevoel remained calm and called 911. While the husband was recovering in the hospital, he kept in touch with the couple, taking the wife to stores and back and forth to the hotel and the hospital. The wife mentioned to Novael an issue she was having with her cell phone, that it was dead, and they did not have their charger with them in order to contact their loved ones and to let them know what was going on. It was an older phone model, and she could not find a charger in the stores to recharge her phone. Novael remembered he had, as we all do, an old charger in a junk drawer at home. When Novael returned home that night, he found the charger and brought it to the hospital. She was able to successfully charge the phone and contact her family and loved ones and friends back home to tell them what was going on in Florida. Nevoel went up and up above and beyond the call of duty for the couple. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby recognizes Tuesday, January 12, 2016, as Nevoel Balance Appreciation Day in Broward County, signed by our Mayor, Marty Kerr. And this is for you. Thank you. Thank you. And then if you will sit down here, because we will do a group picture afterwards with the both of you. Tracy, you're not wearing heels, and I'm wearing four-inch heels today, so <laughs> okay. You want me to take my shoes off? No. <laughs> I can go all the way down. <laughs> all right, Tracy. The, 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 Tracy works for Broward County Aviation, and um, I was so impressed with your outstanding service. It was, it was incredible. On October 29, 2015, the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport experienced an aircraft fire. Um, 101 passengers, many of whom spoke little or no English, and the crew were evacuated from the aircraft and the passengers were transported to the airport's family room. One of the passengers and a had a medical condition that required medication. However, his medication was still on board. Tracy Oliveira, a customer service representative at Broward County's Aviation Department, comforted the passenger, spoke with him in Spanish, and contacted the paramedics. She was advised by the paramedics that he would need to go to the hospital. 
The passenger was reluctant to go. However, due to his fear of not being able to get back to the airport, as well as not understanding the English language, Ms. Oliveira offered to escort the passenger to the hospital, where she stayed by his side to calm his fears and, and his anxiety, provided translation services, and then escorted him back to the airport. Tracy Oliveira performed these acts outside of her normal working hours, and rather than go home to be with her family, she placed the needs and the well-being of the passenger before her own, su successfully advocating for his safety and well-being. Tracy Oliveira has made a significant contribution to the Broward County Aviation Department and to Broward County, and therefore be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby recognizes as part of the year of good news, Tracy Oliveira in appreciation for her hard work and commitment in all of Broward County, Florida. Signed by our Mayor, Marty Kay. join me over there so that we can take a group picture with the commissioners. Thank you. I should. <laughs> we have we have for each of you today um, a Broward County Good News T-shirt that I hope that you will at least wear to bed. Well, that was uh, definitely excellent, well-deserved. Thank you, Commissioner Wexler, for that excellent presentation of good news. And with that said, I forgot to mention the music selection this morning. This morning, we heard the song Let's Dance by David Bowie, and we'll hear Changes, also by David Bowie, for this afternoon at the request of Commissioner Beam Fur. Thank you, Commissioner Fur. <laughs> now, for those of you in the audience, please turn off or silence your cell phones. Any member of the audience who wishes to address the County Commission on an item on today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker's form located on the dais and furnish it to staff. Once an item is called, further speak sign speaker signups will not be allowed and you may not be printed to speak. When you are called upon, you will have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments to the subject being discussed. We ask that you address the Commission in a polite manner and that you refrain from making impertinent remarks or personal attacks. If you fail to do so, you will not be permitted to continue speaking. Please, please be respectful to all those who are speaking tonight. We do not allow applause, cheering, or booing during the meeting. Any person disrupting the proceedings will be asked to leave the chamber. That means you, Mr. Hucka, you're always making these outbursts out there, so calm yourself today. Now, I'm going to read Tuesday's memo. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener errors, corrections and inclusion of today's additional information. Withdrawals and deferrals, item 22, deferred to August 9th, 2016 or sooner to study compliance with the effective land use plan. Item number 39 is a delegation request. Gus Durango is unable to attend. We have some Scrivener's errors. 
Items nine and item nine and number 14. Exhibit four, page one, the date in the fourth paragraph currently reads January 26, 2016, and it should read February 9th, 2016. Item number 33, exhibit one, page four, currently reads $7,213,765.99, value of phase three, and it should read $7,213,756.99. Page six, the execution date currently reads 2015, and it should read 2016. Exhibit three, page six, execution date currently reads 2015, and it should read 2016. The signature block currently is for execution by the county commissioner, and it should be for execution by the mayor. Item number 36, exhibit two, is missing the legal format numbering system down the left side of the page. The revised exhibit has been submitted to document control. Without objection, I request items 42, 43, 45, 46, 47, 50, and 51 be moved to consent. There is additional material. Item number 33 is exhibit two submitted by the Public Works Department. Item number 40 is a charter amendment resolution submitted by the public, Elijah Manley. Item number 40, uh, sub parentheses two, resolution submitted by the public, Elijah Manley. Item number 40, sub parentheses three, memo to the board submitted by the county administration. Um, additional material for the public hearing at 2 p.m. Item number five is revised exhibit A submitted by Environmental Protection and Growth Management Departments. At this time, I'm going to be asked, I'm going to ask if there are any pulls from the consent agenda from uh, my colleagues, and we'll start with Commissioner Furr. No. Commissioner Wexler? Twelve. Twelve. Commissioners, Commissioner Ritter? Ritter, nine. Commissioner Ryan? Items two and twenty. Ryan, two and twenty. Uh, Vice Mayor Sharif? None. None. Commissioner, none, and none. And I heard that we may have Commissioner Lamarca joining us. Commissioner Lamarca, are you there? Uh, Commissioner Lamarca may be joining us soon. County Administrator, do you have any polls? No polls. No polls. County Attorney and County Auditor. Oh, I'm glad you're feeling better today. So uh, show that items, uh, the consent items are items 1 to 38 minus 12, 2, and 20, and also 42, 43, 45, 46, 47, 50, and 51. Uh, do I have a motion to move the consent agenda? All those in favor, signify by saying aye. All opposed, show the item passes unanimously. The first item that we have is item number 12, and that was pulled by Commissioner Ryan, and that is a motion to adopt a resolution directing the county administrator. Item number two. Number two. I'm by sorry. Ryan. 12 pulled by, by Wexler. Oh, thank you, Commissioner Wexler. <coughs> item number two is pulled by Commissioner Ryan, and that is a motion to retroactively approve fiscal year 2016 funding increase for uh, between Broward County and the Broward County Housing Authority. Uh, there are a number of different uh, motions, respectively. Commissioner Ryan, would you like to take up item number two? This item deals with an issue that's been important for this commission uh, for some time, and it received a lot of press last year, which is um, the status of homelessness in Broward County. Um, I'm in favor of this motion to retroactively approve the additional funding for the Broward County Housing Authority. Uh, there's some backup material. Uh, which was submitted by the chair of the Homeless Continuum of Care Board. And it speaks about uh, kind of a, a change in policy moving towards um, more permanent housing rather than temporary housing. Uh, there is 
a uh, rapid rehousing funding um, component, and there's also uh, permanent housing for uh, some of the more chronic homeless uh, population. Um, what caught my attention is the proposal to, um, to fully fund uh, addressing homelessness in Broward County is a request by the Continuum of Care Board for an additional $10.8 million recurring funds. Uh, it was proposed by the chair uh, that the additional cost be split 50-50 between the county and the municipalities, and there's a schedule of contributions that would be target amounts from the municipalities. Um, to Ms. Henry, um, do you have somebody on staff that may speak to what efforts um, the Continuum of Care Board and or the county has had or communications with municipalities on on this funding proposal? Uh, yes, uh, if Ms. Campbell and Mr. Wright could come to the podium. Ms. Campbell, what I'm, I'm speaking to is the June 18th letter uh, from the chair of the Homeless Continuum of Care Board. It was addressed to me, and uh, it does speak about various aspects of addressing the homeless issue, and then it talks about a, a funding formula. So if you could respond to that question. Sure. I'll let Mike Wright talk to you about the Continuum of Care Board and some significant changes that happened with the Pong Committee that um, have resulted in a strategy session around how to address the municipalities and get their buy-in around contributing to the $10 million price tag to expand services for the homeless population. Good morning, Commissioners. Thank you for this opportunity. The Performance Outcome Needs Gaps Committee, which is the Pong Committee, uh, their chair has been, um, due to absences, has moved away from being on the COC board, so we're in transition with the Pong Committee. The um, money was approved by the board through the budget process. The money that's in this agenda item is the, the additional $1.38 million. The matrix that has the city's contribution based on population was part of uh, Scott Russell's uh, memo to the board. And the Pong Committee now has, is developing a communication piece to go out to the cities um, starting the next couple of months to formally communicate the request of them to start to contribute the money. Our first target would be uh, new money to match the 1.38 million that uh, the Board of County Commissioners allocated for new services. So we'll be looking to do that in the next couple of months. I, I, it seems to me that this proposal from the, the chair on the Homeless Continuum of Care Board is consistent with the, the federal mandate on, on funding for homeless services. And I know that we had retained a consultant to try to implement best practices. And um, how much of this, this new strategy has been implemented to date? The, the good thing for us is the consultant is actually, Norm Sukar is the director of the federal SNAPS office that funds the HUD Continuum of Care program. So he actually gave us a blueprint from where, for where HUD was going. And since 2013, when the board approved the Away Home Plan Amendment, we have been reallocating money in the general fund to permanent housing, both for rapid rehousing and the new permanent supportive housing. We've created seven new projects with our existing HUD continuum of care funds for permanent projects, HMIS, and planning. 
So, and with this new money, the, let me just rephrase. So the, with the 11.8 million, which was the total money, that was for our, the homeless system to achieve what is known as a functional zero, that we would be able to respond to anyone experiencing homelessness within 30 to 90 days. So we have implemented many of the changes that were recommended in the consultant's report, reforming the continuum of care board, prioritizing permanent supportive housing, funding best practice interventions, and we've done that. We're working with the Broward Behavioral Health Coalition to a degree that we never have before, and I would like to say that the homeless system is probably more integrated than other systems with BBHC at this time, and we're looking to expand that. Uh, but in terms of the global question of how, where are we in terms of getting the additional funding and implementing these changes, we're probably about halfway there. The, where we're at now is capacity needs to increase both in the system uh, for, on the provider side, on the staffing side, and our integration with other publicly funded um, programs like Medicaid, Medicare, Broward Behavioral Health Coalition, things of that nature. So we're about halfway there. Uh, with the proposed increase, most of it seems to be uh, directed towards the permanent supportive housing component. And uh, with that, is there a housing stock that you have identified? Are there, are there particular homes or apartments that have been set aside so that as more funding comes in, uh, we do know that we have, you know, a large homeless population. So how quickly would you be able to put homeless persons into, you know, this type of permanent supportive housing? Identifying available landlords is a challenge, but the pool of landlords that we is in our, in our, on our team right now are the landlords who administer and work with the, housing, the six housing authorities for public housing or Section 8, what used to be called Section 8 vouchers. So, um, and then we have with our continuum of care program, we have over 500 land, uh, units that are leased in the community right now. So we have many landlords that we're working with but we're looking to expand that pool. And we have many folks in the community who are joining us. The United Wave through their Mission United program has held three landlord events. The Broward County Housing Authority is holding a landlord event this month. And we're looking to uh, expand the landlord pool through Zillow.com has a Pillars of the Community program. And GoSection8.com is a uh, software that's online that HUD continuum of care homeless providers can use to identify landlords and it will also facilitate some of their programmatic requirements such as rent reasonableness. So we need more landlords and we're looking for champions in the community to help us do that. I had a meeting with um, John Offerdahl uh, Monday and uh, he is very interested in using his resources and his um, team spirit to go out and help us in, in that regard. So. Maybe he can put a couple bagels there in those apartments. <laughs> okay. All right, with that, I move uh, item two. Uh, not, not yet, uh, Commissioner. A Ryan. through two F. There, there's a number of folks on the queue. Uh, Commissioner Wexler. Thank you, yes. Um, we, we are working very closely, BBHC, with the county and, and have identified, the county identified a million three this year, new money for how, rapid rehousing, and BBHC identified a new million dollars, so that's 2.3 million dollars of new money for um, rapid rehousing is about the saturation level that the community, which is right perfect for your question, Commissioner, regarding availability, because there just is not that much available 
so the encouragement of finding champions and finding folks and finding cities in particular that are willing to work and cooperate with providers that wish to um, establish um, programs within um, home rent, rental of homes, rent particularly multifamily apartments is is you know where lots of lots of these um, um, residencies occur. But that that's been a huge huge obstacle, um, the the NIMBY effect that that we are so familiar with. Um, I, I also one of the things that that, that you didn't say and. Commissioner, I think, I'm not sure. Did you speak yet at all? Not yet. To yeah, me, okay. So, <laughs> to me. So, I, one of the things that you answered, Commissioner Ryan, but I, I would like you to elaborate about, because we kind of had a sidebar here about what you have been doing, and you've been doing, you've both been doing a tremendous amount since that study came out, Commissioner Ryan, huge amount since it was released. Also, you've been putting, because they left us with a roadmap. And you have systematically, first with uh, Mr. Elwell's leadership and now with your leadership, Ms. Campbell, have been putting together the steps the in the continuum, changing within our organization, um, flow, um, titles, procedures, um, phone numbers, access, just little things that my colleagues may not be aware of that you did not respond to in your answer to to the um, commissioner. So I know that what, and next year's a big thing, because what you laid out for us this year was a two-year proposal, in our budget process, by the way, mm -hmm. is where a lot of this took place, because that roadmap yeah. is laid out. And if we truly want to be change agents, then we've got to put our money where our mouth is and change not just policy, but funding stream. And it is critically important, critically important that our partners, the cities, come on board as well and put their money or at least in kind um, comparable to money where their um, mouths are as well. So uh, good job. I mean, I, I've been here long enough to see the change and whether it was the Hearth Act that changed the way that we do business here as far as rapid rehousing and, and that being first or not, um, we, we rose to the occasion, we responded, and we continue to respond to it. So, good job. Commissioner Holness. Thank you. The cities, uh, how many cities have we contacted and what has been the response? Do we have a percentage of those who are willing to uh, put money in or? So the Continuing Care Board has not contacted any cities. The money was approved in September uh, and then through the budget process, and they were holding back on contacting cities because they wasn't sure which direction the board was going to go. And then right after September, the HUD released its competition, which we were focused on that through November. Then we had our annual homeless assessment report. We had some changes with the board. So they're going to pick up that mantle now and carry the message forward. Many of the cities are waiting for it. We have three cities are represented on the Continuum of Care Board, Hollywood, Pompano, and Fort Lauderdale. So their board um, designees are ready for the message. The message is going to be custom to the cities. It's going to be short, succinct, to the point, and show what's in it for them, uh, the benefit of being a participating member of the Continuum, and how uh, their funds can be used to reduce homelessness countywide. And, and uh, county administrator from our planning 
and Development Management Division. It may be good for us to get a bit of an update as to what we do going forward with planning and, and, and how we are working to ensure uh, that we have more affordable housing built into the projects that are coming forward. Could we get uh, a bit of an update on that? I, I know we had a workshop, but, but it might be good for the public to know uh, and, and, and for people to understand that we need affordable housing built into these upcoming projects. Well, there are a number of items that are on the agenda um, beginning today, but going forward, um, uh, Mr. Sneezak will, uh, may be available to sort of talk about Could that you. a little bit, but um, uh, we certainly can put something together. Not, you don't need to do it now, um, but we would be happy to put a, um, some, some elements of a workshop together for you to, to kind of give you an update on where we are. Thank you. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. Um, I'm fully in support of this, but I do think that needs, uh, I'm going to refer to what Commissioner Ryan brought up and talking about the need for stock, for housing stock. This really requires almost a, a major PR campaign. And, and I've, I've been talking with you all for months now about trying to put together a flyer or something like that that, that um, tries to bring landlords in. And I think, it, I think it's going to require just a major effort like that. And I, I'm concerned a little bit with you, you're all honestly you're almost understaffed to be able to take a lot of this. There's there's so much to trying to pull all that together, and then now now having to administrate this much more of the monies. The monitoring of it concerns me a little bit because there's no there's no there's no extra monitoring here. Everybody's just getting a bigger workload by a considerable amount. And monitoring of this is essential to make sure that each one of these agencies, 12 different programs, 40 different, different uh, 12 agencies, 40 programs, that's a lot to, to monitor, to make sure that it's all being done well. And I think we need to be conscious of the fact that, you know, this is a lot more money that's being dealt out, but no more monitoring, no more uh, to, you know, it's just additional workload. I'm not sure that's a good, I'm not sure that we shouldn't be considering, at least be in the back of our minds right now, at least be thinking for budget for next year, that there's going to be a need for, for more, for, uh, more manpower there, woman power, um, people power, um, staff, <laughs> all the above. Um, but I do think with, with regard to the landlord part, I know Hollywood has a registry of everybody who is a landlord. They, it's required by that city to register if you're going to rent. Fort Lauderdale has a similar part on a certain, um, uh, over a certain amount of uh, units. We have our own registry in, in unincorporated part. Those are good starting places that, you know, it goes beyond just those people that have been doing it before. And I think we need to start to, to um, take advantage of those, those lists, those advantages. And I think it's time to bring the realtors on board and ask them what it, if they can help out on this. But I would like to see a, a major PR campaign on this that says this is how we're going to be going about this. We need your help. This is what you can bring to the table. Because we're, we're kind of doing it without, it without letting everybody know about it. Everybody wants to see us t tackle this problem. And we're going to have to elicit their help. And, we're, and by doing it undercover, it doesn't get done. So I'm, I'm suggesting whatever we can do to let all landlords know. And I know that changes because as soon as somebody gets somebody who's going to rent it, they're going to rent it, and, and then that person goes away. 
but you're, you're putting together something that's going to have put people in kind of a waiting area almost at the Salvation Army. You're going to have 30 beds there waiting for housing stock. And, and we shouldn't have, they should not be having to wait that long. We're trying to do real rapid rehousing. Real rapid rehousing is only going to happen if we have a, a, a larger list of housing stock than, than we can use. So however we can do that, I think we should be taking advantage of it. Thank you. Commissioner Wexler. Yeah, I just wanted to, you mentioned the realtors. Um, I, I served for a very long time on the Housing Council. Commissioner yes. Holness has been there for the last two years. The, m Mr. Wright attends Housing Council meetings, so he's not going to speak up, but I'm going to tell you that on the Housing Council that also looks at available housing and, and, and education and, and reaching out, Richard Barquette, who is the CEO of the Fort Lauderdale Board of Realtors, has a seat there. Um, Randy v Vitale is the current chair who is representing the banking, banking industry. I don't remember what bank he's associated with. The broker, the mortgage broker industry is on there. So there is that housing component there. It's a very unique group, as well as um, um, Lisa Vecchio, who runs Broward Housing Solutions, that deals with um, people that have mental health and substance abuse issues and placing them in residential. It is a group that I hope that where we are actually working with not just the Continuum of Care Board, but bringing all of these support um, people because they're different folks. They're totally different folks that are on the Continuum of Care Board. They're exactly the community folks that you just mentioned. And they need to be brought into that loop as well if they haven't been. I guess part of what I want... You're the chair. Of course. Um, what I'm wanting to be able to do... Yes, exactly. Um, what I'm wanting to be able to have is something. When I meet a landlord, I want to be able to hand them something. Here's here. I want you to know about this program, and you could help. And I don't have anything that I can hand to them right now. And and we all come in contact with lots of people all the time, and and at various places. We need something that we can literally give to them. Yeah, that's what that. That's what I've asked for. So we, um, with the additional funds, we, we the continuum, the county did receive $172,800 from the state through the challenge grant, and we have funding uh, is for two housing navigators with um, incidental costs to help folks move into housing, and part of their job is to reach out to landlords. So those contracts are being finalized now. That was approved by the board in December. So um, they'll be picking up that. And we're partnering with public information to develop the materials that will be delivered to the stock of landlords in the community. Yeah. Commissioner Holness. Yes. Commissioner Furr, you're correct. Publicizing and letting everyone know the situation that exists and what we're working on and how they can participate is very important. Uh, my 16-year-old daughter, Dela, uh, really accosted me a few months ago saying, Daddy, you, you guys are not doing enough for the homeless. You're not doing anything. So I have to con constantly update her, uh, which really puts me on my toe to, to get more engaged with this. Uh, in fact, I made sure she saw the agenda item uh, to, to let her know and let the community know that, yes, we are making efforts uh, and, and also that it takes everyone. And uh, I, I want to really impress on, on, on our uh, building and developers, building industry and developers, to, to let them understand it's important. It's all of our, our problems, not just 
government or, or it affects the entire community. And, and the perception that people have of us as a community is how we treat those who are less fortunate. And, and to see folks out there sometimes struggling uh, really tears apart uh, many of our hearts. Uh, but the perception again is what, what are we doing? Are we just chasing them out of the park downtown? Are we doing something else? Thank you. Uh, with that said, Commissioner Ryan has moved item number two. Is there a second? All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? See the item passes unanimously. Uh, item number 12 is a motion to adopt a resolution directing the county administrator to transmit to designated state review agencies a proposed amendment to the Broward County Land Use Plan. It was pulled by Commissioner Wexler. Commissioner Wexler, uh, Mr. Mealy has also signed in. Would you like to speak before or after Mr. Mealy? Go ahead, let him talk, of course. Uh, Mr. Mealy. I suspect it's if he has questions, if we have questions. Is it for questions? Uh, Dennis Mealy, representing the applicant. When the item was pulled, I just signed up to see if you had any questions I could answer. Thank you. Commissioner Wexler. You gotta love the guy. Absolutely. <laughs> he, and he is coming to meet with me, I'm sure, between now and the 26th, so that we, we, we will have our, our conversation. Sure. But when I saw this, and I read it over the weekend, um, I, I realized, and normally I'm not gonna be pulling items, and you notice when I did my question, I said if you can answer what you can answer, but certainly get me the real backstory between now and the 26th of January. This is Iraq when a six, you know, I, I, I got to work with Lee Feldman. When he comes forward and stands at that podium and says, you don't treat everybody the same, you're treating Fort Lauderdale differently. And I look at him and say, no, we're not. We're treating everybody the same. I don't want to be a liar. And that's really the first thought that popped into my mind as I was reading this item. And so when I saw that the answer to, well, how many units are in this Miramar rack, 7,460, which is a whole lot more than we approved for the city of Fort Lauderdale, and I don't have an answer for were there any affordable housing opportunities because staff needs further time to research that, that's always scary, and but we'll wait. But clearly, in the 1,250 additional units that's being set for public hearing on the 26th, um, we don't know that there's going to be anything offered in that increase to, to the RAC. So it seemed to me that it was um, something that, and, and, I, and I had no idea that you were pulling number uh, item number two commissioner off of consent, um, we had a robust conversation a few moments ago regarding affordable housing and availability and rapid rehousing and to tell people workforce housing is what I'm talking about, workforce housing, that when, that you have to live over there because you don't, you, there are, there's no place for you to live over here in this city, um, I find that very troubling. And, and, and so I will be patient, Dennis. I will wait until the 26th. I look forward to our meeting together. I look forward to the, the additional information that's also coming back up from staff. But um, I really hope that there's going to be some kind of affordability um, it, it, it factored into this thing and that the report, if there is a report that, or a study that the city did, actually is defensible. Thank you. Is there 
Is there a second? Second. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? So the item passes unanimously. Uh, yes. Will you please show me voting in the affirmative on item number two? Thank you. Item number 20 uh, has been pulled by Commissioner Ryan, and it's a motion to award a fixed contract to a singer bidder weekly asphalt paving. Uh, Commissioner Ryan. This is really a, a routine bid. Um, Broward County operates and maintains um, hundreds of intersections throughout the county, and uh, we are, over time, installing um, mast arm uh, improvements at these intersections. Uh, I was, you know, a little bit surprised that we only had a single bidder on this job. It seems like it's, it's rather routine, and I saw in the backup that there was um, that BidSync notified over 9,700 vendors of the solicitation, and only 17 downloaded it, and then only one submitted a bid. Two others um, chose not to bid on the job. So perhaps uh, through the county administrators, uh, someone from traffic engineering might be able to comment on uh, what kind of outreach we are, we are conducting to possible vendors. Uh, I'd always like to see as many vendors as possible in the mix uh, with competitive bidding. It helps keep our costs down. And I know that this is uh, going to be a, uh, a recurring improvement that we'll see at many other intersections. So in this case, um, I'd like to have Ms. Billingsley come to the podium because um, there was additional outreach um, associated with this particular bid, um, including extending the, um, the deadline for submissions uh, at least twice. So if you could share um, with the commission. Absolutely. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, as you mentioned, we did reach out to over uh, 9,000 vendors on our vendor list. In addition to that, we had a pre-bid meeting also, and only three vendors attended. But when we saw that only one had submitted, we extended the bid twice, not only once, but twice while we did our internal research and outreach to those vendors. And we contacted about 17 vendors, and there were varying reasons as to why. Some, the workload capacity, they were full, and just various reasons of that nature. But we do, on a routine basis, when we determine that there's a single bidder, do our outreach. And so what I was driving at is, is there anything within the the bid proposal or the bid document that may be um, uh, kind of turning off some vendors so that they, they don't want to bid on, on these type of, what, I, what again, as I say, is a rather routine, I think, intersection improvement. It's one of our, our processes is to work with the agency to make sure that there's not anything in the specs that's restrictive to any one vendor. And through our pre-bid conferences, we invite our vendors to also identify if there are any potential, anything that we may have missed, that they may determine to be restrictive as well. We receive no questions from any of the vendors regarding that aspect, but we do review it with the, with the agency. Right. Um, I move item 20. Okay. All in favor, signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? See item 20 passes unanimously. We now move on to the regular agenda, <clears throat> and the first is a delegation request uh, by uh, a Mr. Elijah Manley. Uh, Mr. Mr. Manley, come on up, and uh, you'll have uh, three minutes when you're ready. Okay, I'll try to stay on time. <laughs> uh, well, good morning. I want to say um, greetings to everyone for having me here. Uh, I had to kind of like find a way out of school. 
Um, I just want to recall that I was here back in March of 2015 on a delegation request speaking to you guys about lowering the voting age. Um, I just want to uh, assure you the legality of this action is in fact legal. Two other municipalities have done it before and recently. Um, San Francisco is also considering doing it as well. And I want to make Broward County the third municipality to do this. Um, January 6, 2015, Hyattsville was um, the second one to do that. That was kind of a birthday present for me. May 13, 2013, Tacoma Park did it as well without any problems from the state or the federal government. Um, when I was here back then, the board directed staff to investigate the steps that would be necessary in a county attorney. Um, I just want to know what, what was the direction, what happened, or what was the result of those actions. Um, you can keep going. After uh, you're done, we'll see if there's questions from the county okay. commission. Um, I want to kind of schedule a public hearing so that the public can speak on this matter. Young people can come out and talk about these things before we actually move anything forward. I think it's important that everyone has the opportunity to voice their opinions on this matter. Um, I have a few exhibits here. Um, the first one is research by Circle or CivicYouth.org, which is the Center for Information and Research on Civic Learning and Engagement. It kind of shows you what happened in Hyattsville, Maryland, where they lowered their voting age to 16 as well. It gives you the um, background research on 16-year-olds, their knowledge. They're able to vote. A lot of people don't believe so, but I strongly believe that a 16-year-old's knowledge is not any different from a 21-year-old. So I don't see why we can't vote. Um, I just want to say something to Commissioner Stacy Ritter. I've seen this, the tweet you put out, and I didn't respond yet, but I just want to kind of assure you, it's kind of to you know, get turnout amongst young people, kind of instill voting in them. I kind of talked about that when I was back here in March. It's in fact legal. We can do this. Broward County can stand up. It can enfranchise young people, become the third. We can do this. Um, the Ninth and Tenth Amendment guarantees us that right. The Tenth Amendment states the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or the people. We are the people here. In this case, a collective body um, of representatives. And you guys represented us as well, so it gives us that right. And nothing in the Florida State Constitution prohibits Broward from doing this. Um, Hyattsville and Tacoma Park did it, so it's not against any federal restrictions, um, and it's most definitely not against any state restrictions as well. Great. Thank, thank you, Mr. Manley. I think you did, a, you did a, a great job. It was neat seeing you last year, and it's great seeing you again. I'm just kind of curious, as to the county attorney, can you, uh, in response to Mr. Manley's inquiry, can you please, uh, you know, uh, let us know what the law is with regard to this matter? What does the Florida Constitution say? And what uh, it, it do, does Barrett County have the authority to lower the voting age? State statute says that um, each person who registers to vote must be at least 18 years old. So that is not within the authority or power of this board to go around. Um, we're restricted to registering only 18-year-old voters. Uh, persons. Additionally, um, no person may vote who is not registered. So I think your hands are tied by state law. The state constitution guarantees that persons 18 years of age and older have the right to vote, but does not speak to anything any younger than that and guarantees no rights under 18 years old to vote. And uh, uh, Mr. Manley, um, you know, since you're uh, my constituent, which I'm very honored about, um, I will gladly uh, get you in contact with 
your state legislators who have the ability to, to make this change if they so wish. Um, uh, afterwards, if you would contact my office, um, I'll help you get in contact with them and you can let them know uh, what you would like them to change in state law that uh, would then give us the authority to, to make okay, that happen. Can I um, uh, respond really quickly? Sure. To the county attorney, I spoke with several attorneys already who talked to me on this matter and said that in fact, Broward County can. I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know like oh. what's going on, but I can say that I spoke to attorneys. I don't think I put that in the exhibit. Uh, um, um, we spoke about it. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, uh, Mr. Manley, I think uh, uh, Commissioner Holness has a, Mr. Manley, I think Commissioner Holness has uh, some words he'd like to say. Okay. Let me just tell you how proud I am of you. Uh, and, and I know Commissioner Kerr uh, claims you as uh, a member of his district, uh, but I also claim you as a member of my district because I know for, for a long time you lived in, in District 9. He, he just moved over. <laughs> yeah, I realize. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I, I, I want to say this also additionally. Uh, that young Mr. Manley is running for president of the United States. Uh, it, it, you know, some of us might think that's a little quirky, but, but it tells us that this young man really has his head, head on his shoulder quite well and is a bright star for the future of Broward County. Uh, I, I really commend you for doing the research, for taking the time to come in to present to us for being a young leader uh, that we can depend on for the future to help ensure that our, co our country is a better place for all of us. And, and I hope we are able to work something through and know that my office and I will be there to support you in every which way we possibly can. And, and you, you did an excellent job. It's not easy to come up here and do this. So thank you, Mr. I, Manley. I like coming up here. I like, yeah. I like speaking. <laughs> and, another board will, will see you next year. Okay. <laughs> but thank you very much. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Have a wonderful day and thank you for coming. You too. Take care. All right. Uh, we're now are moving on to item number 41 on the regular agenda, which is a motion to adopt a budget resolution within the 2005 disaster recovery initiative grant funds. Uh, is there is no public testimony on the matter? Is there any discussion from the county commission? Would, would is there is motion and a second? All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed show the item passes unanimously. Item number 44 is a motion to adopt a resolution directing the county administrator to publish a notice of public hearing, which is an ordinance to the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, pertaining to um, prohibiting fracking within Broward County. Uh, there is uh, nobody from the public is here wish to speak. This is Commissioner uh, Furr's item. Uh, Commissioner Furr, would you like to speak? Thank you. Yes, this is a, an item to ban fracking in Broward County. And a few months ago, we all agreed to send to the legislature because the um, language in state law was not clear and it didn't we, we asked for a clarification so that we would have the right to, to either deny or permit um, exploration and any, any exploration of natural and, and oil resources. Um, so we asked for the clarification on that. Once that happened, it actually kind of triggered a few things, I think, on, in the state legislature. And now we are seeing a number of bills on, in the state legislature on fracking. Many of them are trying to ban fracking. But there is one in particular that concerns me and I think concerns a lot of people. Concerned, it concerned the Florida Association of Counties enough that they had a, a pretty large meeting on it and voted to um, uh, against it. They are, it is essentially taking away our authority as a county 
to be able to deny or permit um, uh, any any of these permits. Um, so now I think it, it goes beyond, now it's a time to, we need to not only clarify what our position is, but actually go ahead and say we're going to ban fracking. Um, there was a time where we were concerned with whether or not this was a taking or not. It's not. This is a technique. It doesn't, it is not an outright ban. It is a banning a, a technique. Um, I never thought in a million years that we would actually, anybody would even consider um, drilling in the Everglades, given the geological nature of, uh, of, of our conservation area and the fact that that is our water supply. It, even even uh, mess with that at all is beyond me. So today I'm asking for us to send this to a public hearing, and I ask for your support. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I also want to thank, yes, I'd like to move it. I also want to thank Michael Owens, who did a very good job on writing this ordinance. There, there's a lot of good ordinances out there, but honestly, I think a lot of them will look at this as a model ordinance for this. So I want to thank, thank Michael for that. And with that, I'd like to move it. Okay. And, uh, Commissioner Holmes. Yes, uh, though the public is not represented in the chambers, uh, let me report that I've had many emails yeah. supporting the ban. Uh, so the, the, the public has weighed in. Uh, there are new ways to weigh in without being right. in the audience. Uh, and I think we're doing the right thing here uh, for the people of Broward County and for the future of our community. And uh, um, uh, Commissioner Furr, if I may ask a quick question. Sure. I think this is an excellent ordinance. And if I have the, the correct statute, or the correct proposed bill that you're referring to, I think in the bill, isn't there language that basically says if a county or a city has adopted a measure previously before the passage of that bill, and they'd be exempted uh, from it. So this actually is uh, is very smart and puts Broward County in a great position in case that terrible bill does pass uh, to ensure that our rights being able to prohibit fracking is protected. Isn't that correct? Correct. It, it actually is, um, it is preempting all authority except for those zoning ordinances that went into effect in 2015 20. or prior to 2015. I think this is important for us to put our, you know, it's kind of our own shot across the bow. Here's where, we're, here's where, we're, where we are. So. Well done. There has been a, a motion and a second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, show the item passes unanimously. Thank you. And uh, we are now uh, on to the mayor's report. Um, I just wanted to uh, bring up a couple things. Uh, and this I wanted to, uh, as you know, um, Monday is uh, the a very important uh, national holiday in our country, and that is uh, to celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And this weekend, I had the great privilege to attend with my friend, Commissioner Ryan, um, a wonderful Martin Luther King scholarship banquet being held in Dania Beach. And I just wanted to first say I thought it was very well done uh, and it was wonderful to, to remember the life of Dr. King. But I also wanted to tell my dear friend, Commissioner Ryan, I had the opportunity to speak to a number of his constituents uh, that were there. And not only are they happy with the great work you do, one thing that I thought was very moving was so many of them wanted to talk about your father and the great work that he does. Because if you know Dania Beach, it's, our, it's the oldest of our 31 cities. And most, many of the folks that live there have lived there for a very long time. And they really think highly of your dad. And I thought that was very nice and it was very moving. And with that said, um, we'll start on this side from Commissioner Bogan uh, for commission comments. I have none. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Holmes. Thank you. 
Well, on tomorrow morning will be uh, the grand opening of uh, the new Walmart Supercenter, 2500 West Broad Boulevard. Uh, it will be an event that starts at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, it is providing convenience. And uh, I, I know when it came up last time, I was able to, with your help, ensure that the developers understood the need to ensure the local community participate uh, in the uh, development of the project. And that's an ongoing work. Uh, we've had uh, some, some opportunities given to the local community. So far, about 7% on the developmental side. There's still work being done to uh, increase that amount. They participated in the job fair I did back uh, two months ago. Uh, and and uh, there are 300 jobs that will be attached to that facility. Also on Saturday, the 16th, uh, the Women of Color Empowerment Institute will have their grand opening ceremony at 2219 Sistrunk <coughs> Boulevard. The event will go from 8 a.m. in the morning until 12 noon. We have the honor of uh, celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King's life and his uh, efforts and, and achievements in moving our country forward to be a better place for all of us. Uh, we have a parade that will start at the uh, ILA, the Longshoremen's Hall on Sistrunk Boulevard uh, this Monday and it will uh, go to downtown to the Heisinger Park. Uh, the march team is united, we complete the dream. And at, uh, after the parade at the park, there will be a celebration of unity, a multicultural festival at Heisinger Park. Uh, there will be uh, cultural displays, international marketplace, a parade of flags, food trucks, and much more. Uh, so. I encourage everyone to join in the celebration of uh, the life of this great man who has helped uh, to move this nation uh, to a better place for everyone. Vice Mayor Sharif. Thank you, Mayor. Um, seeing that we don't get to talk very much outside of here, I wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of um, the 2016 legislative session, um, uh, Senator Jack Latvala filed uh, SB 1322 for the 2016 session, and that begins today. And as president of Florida Association of Counties, um, there is a bill that uh, significantly revises section 985.686 of the Florida statute regarding the contributions required of non-fiscally constrained counties for the cost of juvenile detention services. And as proposed, the state will continue to pay all costs of detention care for juveniles in fiscally constrained counties and juveniles residing out of state and the post-disposition costs in counties that provide their own predisposition, predisposition detention care for juveniles. For fiscal year 2017, the bill requires each non-fiscally constrained county, including Broward County, to pay its annual percentage share of $42.5 in detention care costs. 
A county share is determined by dividing the total number of detention days for juveniles residing in the county during the prior fiscal year by the number of prior year detention days in all non-fiscally constrained counties statewide. For fiscal year 2018 and each year after that, the bill puts into place a 50-50 cost share model based upon the total shared detention costs in the prior fiscal year. So the Department of Juvenile Justice must calculate and provide each county its annual percentage share of the juvenile detention costs, which must be paid in 12 equal payments. So um, that was out there. I was in uh, D.C. last week when that came out, and I just wanted, um, it was at the end of the week, and I wanted everybody to be aware. No, our, our staff is analyzing it. Yes. I'm just letting you know what's out there so you can do your own um, review as well. Um, I know that the Florida Association of Counties is supportive of this bill. And, <laughs> and I know last year we, we had some differences on that, but as president of Florida Association of Counties, I felt it necessary to make sure that you were aware what's going on. Last week I attended the national uh, uh, counties um, conference in Washington, D.C., and the, um, it was made up of the presidents and executive directors, and we met in Washington, D.C. We had a briefing at the White House, and it was on criminal justice issues and the president's um, uh, plan moving forward. And <laughs> no, I did not see the president. Commissioner Bogan saw the president. Oh, he well, did. lucky for him. I was working. <laughs> so, <laughs> you see that? Got your back. Oh, see? Okay. Now we know. <laughs> okay. So um, there's great, great news, Mayor, happening all throughout Broward County. And last, um, this past Sunday, um, I attended all three church services for Florida Bible Church in Miramar. Um, their new name is The Bridge. And it's a really neat name, huh? Uh, for a, a, a church that has been around for 38 years providing community service, they've just renamed their church. And so it was really amazing, very nice. Um, January the 13th, I'll be attending the um, come greet Governor Scott at the One Million Miles for One Million Jobs bus tour at the Rick Case Kia tomorrow evening. Um, this is the only stop in Broward in Miami-Dade County on his sixth city statewide bus tour. So I'll attend that on behalf of Broward. And um, Thursday, January the 14th, I'll be attending the Florida International University 2016 MLK Hall of Fame reception. Um, I was honored to be the nominated as the recipient of the Hall of Fame award. And so I will be there attending that. Um, there are a series of events this um, weekend in West Park for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Their parade is on Monday, January the 18th, beginning at McIntyre McTeer Park in the city of West Park. If you want more information, that's 954-989-2688. Um, it will be an exciting weekend for all. And with that, Mayor, that concludes my report. Thank you, and I just once again want to thank you for the great work you're doing on behalf of Broward and the state as the President of the Association of Counties, and having served in the legislature, we're going to very much need you over the next couple months. <laughs> Commissioner Ryan. I was actually going to speak about the today being the opening day for the session for the legislature, its 2016 regular session, and um, I agree with the mayor.
that it's very important that we have um, strong advocacy in Tallahassee. And I'm uh, feeling very good that we have Commissioner Sharif up there as the head of the Florida Association of Counties. Uh, this juvenile justice issue, I know that Broward County, along with several other counties, were successful in getting a judicial decision that uh, the Department of Juvenile Justice had overbilled Broward County and other counties, and I think it was over $10 million, and um, we have yet to be reimbursed by the legislature. So I, I believe that this bill by uh, Senator Latvala, which is sponsored in the House by his son, Representative Latvala, um, brings some fairness uh, because if DJJ makes whatever calculation they want and, you know, the courts say it's it's improper under the statute, um, Broward County still pays uh, whatever DJJ says we're going to pay. Um, and so hopefully by just simply doing a 50-50 split rather than have pre-adjudication or predisposition versus post-disposition, this will be a more fair cost share for those um, uh, for those expenses. Uh, we have a lot of other issues, and, and to the county administrator, I sure hope that we will have weekly updates on what's happening in Tallahassee, bills that are favorable and, you know, those that are adverse to the interests of the county, um, and that, um, that we uh, put the whip to our lobbyists up in Tallahassee. Commissioner Ritter. Thank you. I'm sure some of the some of those lobbyists would enjoy having the whip taken to them. <laughs> um, if you administer it, <laughs> um, I'm not sure that it's fair that the county pays 50 percent of what is a state responsibility. So we can thank Senator Utlet and Representative Latvala for filing a bill that at least. Uh, makes the assessment fairly, but the payment is still not fair. And I hope the Florida Association of Counties, which apparently is already supporting this bill, uh, seriously decides to reconsider the support of the entire bill when making the counties pay 50%, of course, not the fiscally constrained counties, um, whatever that means, because we're all fiscally constrained, but I certainly hope that you would ask the, your board to revisit that portion of the bill which requires the counties to pay 50% of what is not our responsibility. Just so you, Commissioner Rear, we, we did that. Okay. We have. Well, you said you, you're supporting the bill. So, I, 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 that, I that, the, so that's what I heard you say. So Right. I, the Florida Association of Counties was, is supportive of the bill, but the Florida Association of Counties has not stopped pursuing the $140 million that um, we received as a, a um, settlement, uh, as a judgment. That's we, not what I'm not, saying. We've not stopped that. I'm not right, talking the about the overpayment. I'm talking mm -hmm. about the 50-50 split that you that is in this current bill, which I think you said the Florida Association of Counties is supporting. Uh, again, I would question why counties are supporting a piece of legislation that requires them to pay for, what uh, for something that is not their responsibility. So I'm just asking if, you know, you guys would cons reconsider parsing your support so that it is clear that you support a certain part of the bill without supporting the entire bill. That's all. Um, secondly, I see that members of the Greater Alliance, the Fort, Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance, are in Austin, Texas this week studying how to do business better here in Broward by looking at the Austin, Texas model. And I'm wondering if any taxpayer dollars are being used for that trip because I got to tell you, 
When I look at Austin, Texas, I don't see a whole lot of similarity to Greater Fort Lauderdale or Broward County. Uh, we don't have a major university like they do. We are a beach community, which they are not. Um, they have different industry than we do here in Broward County, and I'm just wondering if any of that money to send what looks like a pretty large contingent of people from here to go to Austin, Texas, I'm just wondering if any of that is taxpayer money, because I gotta tell you, um, I'm not sure why they have to go someplace to study their business model, number one, and I'm, number two, I'm not sure why that place would be Austin, Texas, which again, in my opinion, bears little to no resemblance to Broward County. That's it. Commissioner, uh, uh, no, I was just going to say, I don't have that answer, but um, I'll be happy to have that conversation with Mrs. Swindell. And uh, thank you, Commissioner, and also thank you for the great commentary you gave on the Golden Globe Awards. M many of us follow you on Twitter. It's very good. Commissioner, uh, Commissioner Wexler. Thank you, Mayor. Um, first, let me comment on the DJJ. As soon as I read it on Friday evening, I forwarded um, to actually come in emails back and forth with Eddie regarding the assessment. I've asked my staff to work with Kim Campbell to get the uh, fiscal assessment. If you all remember last year when this was being proposed by the legislature, it was a it, it was it was a bigger impact financially to Broward County by doing just a clean 50-50. It sounds good and it works well for a lot of the counties, but many of the larger counties that are doing a very aggressive um, intervention, um, diversion type model like we are in Broward with civil citation, which is extremely successful. We get, we, I, I, I haven't seen the, uh, an analysis yet, but I suspect that we would be getting penalized because that pre and post adjudication when you have less people that are going into the detention center because of our um, activism here and putting our money where our mouth is, but the state is just looking at a straight 50-50, the devil's in the details. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that a county like Miami-Dade is in the same situation like we're in. But again, I will wait and see what staff comes up with in analysis. Um, I know that it is just a um, different senator this year that's moving it forward versus the gentleman that had been moving the same thing forward for the last two legislative sessions as far as 50-50 and then making it even worse. Okay, you don't like that? Well, okay, we're gonna smack you on the head even harder. So there's not one word about the back monies that are owed, um, but some, sometimes I really think it's necessary for us, and I, I realize that you're in a position, and you have, you have taken a position in previous years of not supporting that effort. Mm -hmm. um, you're the president of the state organization this year. Um, sometimes what happens, it's a board corporate that does something and you're the spokesman for the board corporate. Correct. I recognize that. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, but I think as Broward County, we really need to see what it really means for us before we jump up and down, back and forth and say that we support this thing. And that's what I'm waiting to see. And Commissioner Wexler, that's exactly what I said. The Florida Association of County supports this. Last year, as you know, uh, even in sitting on the board, 
Yeah. I was very vocal about Broward County's position in not supporting this and requesting the, our portion of the $140 million back. I was still as vocal when this came out and I actually did personally call Senator Latvala because I wanted to make sure that he understood that the Florida Association of Counties is supportive of this, but Broward County is still looking to see where the fairness is in terms of paying back because we've had it on both sides of it with the Medicaid um, when they came back with the bad retro um, billing and the the um, uh, accusations of overbilling that we had at the county level. And I mean, I went up for that for until we settled that. And so I'm going to be there for this. Um, I, I, I really. Um, I think we I, have to see the analysis. I do. I, I'm, I'm just concerned because I know. Um, I know what the lobbying staff and your staff at FSBA, no, that's not what I mean. That, I'm going back a lot. Back. <laughs> same thing to say, cut from the same cloth. <laughs> what, what they're, you know, they, they really, they're looking out for the masses. Correct. And, and, and I've had this conversation, and I, I just think we need to, do you have any idea when we're going to see the assessment? Well, next week um, I get my briefing on the what we believe the impact to be because we are, we, you know, we're very concerned about it. And the, as you've indicated, you've all indicated, the devil's always in the in the details. So if they're going to do this based on days, and we pay fifty percent based on our total, see, they're, to they're looking at total days, fifty percent pre and post because we've been doing a good job of not having them go in there as far as pre adjudication is concerned. Exactly. So we so we so we're trying to make sure that our interpretation of what this says is accurate and then run the numbers and we certainly will be back um, in front of this board with our with our concerns about it. So it's going to be were, next week? Yes. Next week. Okay. I thought that's another whole week. Well, I mean we're I, I apologize. That's when my briefing on the on the matter is. I, is it going to take that long for our staff to make a determination no, of whether I, what side of the coin we turn we're, we're on? I I no. I again. I I should have preferenced that. Maybe they have it already, but my my initial briefing on this is next week. Okay, I, I suspect they do. They're really smart in that department. They follow this mm -hmm. very really closely. closely, really closely. So they they know what this means. So I, I just have to get on the phone myself, and I don't need it in writing. Okay. I just need to hear. I will get it out. It's, it's, it's right. I think so, too. But I, I, don't want to, I, I don't want to assume it. I want to hear it from the people that are running the numbers one way or the other. And then I have a second question for you. Um, and I'm sorry I didn't ask this yesterday in the briefing. But the, the last Friday, we received a whole raft of emails that came in from Tudor Perini uh -huh. and three or four of them that, that, that came in what all that I, one of the things that I just was very concerned about and I'm not clear about and truthfully I don't read every page of every contract that comes before this board and I don't ever remember that in, in in the contract, in let me ask her, and then maybe okay, you okay. want to respond. In the contract, and I guess it's Art, Article 16, 
that there's actually the authority given to the county administrator to almost be the arbitrator? I'm not sure which provision you're talking about, but I can update you on the status of the dispute, and maybe that'll be helpful. And, well, and if they, are hand me that. they are claiming that our county administrator has the authority within Article 16 to make a determination of how to move forward. I'm always under the impression and have been for a very long time regarding litigation and potential litigation. And I want to be very careful about what I may say because I, I, I don't know if anyone plans on responding to the letter that came out January 8th to Ms. Henry that we were all copied on or not, but it, 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 it states that she has the authority and she's negligent in that authority and just wants them to litigate. So I find that kind of unbelievable and I don't believe it I really don't believe it so I really wanted to hear it from you I very much appreciate your raising that so that we can address all the commissioners and I think describing where we are in the process will help put your question in context um, pursuant to the contract the parties when they've reached a dispute are obligated to go before a dispute avoidance panel um, in an unprecedented move the contractor apparently copied the parties um, who are the Board of County Commissioners, um, apparently, from what you're saying, attempting to truncate that process. It would not be appropriate to respond at this point. Um, there's an entire series of more minor disputes which collectively add up to a large sum of money, and then beyond that, there's a very large um, time delay um, aspect to this litigation. And the issues are just now being joined, um, and in fact, the claims have not even been presented to this dispute avoidance panel the parties were to exchange documents and for, as I said, this unprecedented um, event, the contractor simply copied the county commission. So I agree, we're in, we're in claim dispute resolution and it's, it's not a good time to be engaging in separate um, conversation. I'm very glad then that I brought this up and that I brought this up publicly because, here, I'll print another one. Um, there, there is, they don't make it sound that way in this letter and I think that they're giving you in particularly a black eye and that's not a good thing and what you just said is so critically important about the process that's been laid out in the contract and that they need to follow <coughs> that process. Exactly, um, again I'm aware of the provision that they are referring to. Um, I have a box uh, that was delivered to my office uh, The that really, I, that had reams of documents related to construction, which uh, ultimately, if, if they had continued through the full process, it would make sense for us to determine whether this moved forward. But it was clear that, that at the point in time, there was an, a request of me by them to intervene. When I looked at what was in front of me, it was not appropriate to do so. And uh, along those lines, just for another note, for any county commissioner that wants to attend, uh, I believe the county administration is trying to find a date and a time for us to take um, a tour of where of the courthouse so we can see for ourselves firsthand exactly where it's at and how far we have to go. I think it's important for us to actually see it, and I know that, that Ms. Henry's working on that. 
Yes, uh, if you recall, you asked uh, to have that tour. Um, but uh, again, which I will elaborate more if I need to, um, right now we want the contractor focused on finishing the work. And um, we really don't want to provide any opportunity for things to slow down. As you know, when you have people outside of the construction activity going through the building, they have to govern themselves accordingly, which slows them down. And given some of the issues that we're having, we're trying not to create an environment for that. I understand. I, I do believe, though, that a 20, 30-minute tour isn't going to hinder the process greatly. So I do hope we can get that set up. Uh, Commissioner Furr. Thank you, Mayor. Um, it's been a while since I talked trash. Uh, you, got, you have to, <laughs> pick, have to pick your moments. Um, but over the last um, five, six months, I've been actually talking with many mayors, uh, many city managers, and seeing if there was an appetite to uh, bring back an ILA. And there is. They, uh, I've spoken to enough of the mayors now that, uh, probably that was equal to over 80% of the tonnage. And there's, there's definitely an appetite for it. They, they have a, there's a small window. And that's because all of their contracts com are qu coming up in 2018. <laughs> small window. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, what they want to do, and I t I've talked to the Broward League of Cities twice now, and at the last meeting I asked if there was a consensus to bring this to the city managers and the Broward County City Manager Association on the 21st. On the 21st. On the 21st. So there was a consensus. It was unanim unanimous, actually. And so that's where it's at right now to start to explore the ideas of they, re they recognize the economies of scale that would be good. They recognize that the policy, they recognize right now that there's not really a a, any kind of flow control, there's no mandates, there's no sense of where things should be going and all kind of things, and they recognize that this is an opportunity to, to bring those things together. So I think this is a good thing, um, I, and I, I appreciate the, our, our county manager bringing that to them, and I think there's going to be city managers bringing it to, uh, to the association as a whole. So all in all, I think there's some good movement. So, uh, well... Yeah, it is. A, it is a little bit. Yeah, it is. It is. But it, there's some. But there's at least a Yeah, there's an appetite for it. They, I think they do recognize. Right. Exactly. Um, secondly, the uh, I do want to I do want to wish Sky Patrick, who is the our, our director, uh, well. She's become the new uh, director in the Los Angeles system, and that says a lot for our system. It says a whole lot for our system that that you know that somebody of her caliber uh, would would now be one. Of, that's one of the largest systems in the in the country. I would encourage that we try to do a national search very quickly, because there are a lot of things that are happening there now. You, for those who don't know, you have a circulation system that is going to be um, uh, up and and out of date, and software and the and the contract ends in six months. Circulation systems and for a library are the essence of it. That is going to be a huge undertaking to not and, and it, to be honest, right now it's already too late because there already should have been an RFP. There should have already been a lot of things happening. We're going to need to probably ask for an extension of that because it's it takes way when you when you unroll a a, a new circulation system, it is. Like bring in Windows Seven or something that that you know that makes it very hard to do. Um, 
So it's, uh, that's got to be one. There, we're about to see a, a new staffing model at the library. You have lots of facilities issues, you have security issues, um, and we want to maintain our standing as we're rising through the ranks of all the libraries as being one of the number one libraries for electronic downloads. Those things are all good. And the fact that we just became Library of the Year, you're going to see a lot of um, uh, candidates want to be running this library uh, throughout the country. It is a prime time to put a national search out there. Uh, be now, because now it's attractive. A few years ago when, when we went out for one, it, it wasn't so attractive. Now it's, now it's going to be like a, a plum. So I think we would be getting some of the best candidates available in the United States. So my, my suggestion is to put out a national search as quickly as possible because there are so many things that are, that are right that, that need to be dealt with immediately. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, County Administrator. Yes, that process has begun. Okay. Uh, anything else? Nope. Oh, County Attorney. Great. County Auditor. Great. With that, we are adjourned. I'll see everybody at 2.